Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. Joined with me this month is Mara Budwig. Mara, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, living the dream as always. I can't complain. Uh, go ahead and start off with the obvious, but we always start off with. Tell everybody where you're calling from and what kind of dogs you run. All right. I am calling from Des Moines, Iowa, and I have one chocolate lab that is three years old. Nice. So why a chocolate lab? What got you started on that route? Uh, so it's actually an interesting story. Uh, this dog was a surprise gift to me from a past relationship. Okay. Uh, I knew nothing about gun dogs. This is my first gun dog. Uh, I was uh, given this dog and ultimately I wasn't ready for a dog, but I kind of just jumped head in and I'd say the rest is history, but, uh, yeah. So the dog, I never knew I wanted. <laughs> well, and it's, that happens quite often, believe it or not. So just, just for sanity's sake. So it's not a previous boyfriend because he gave you the dog, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, we ended up splitting up and he was stationed overseas. So I had spent all the time with the dog. I had trained the dog. The dog was mine. And yeah. it was kind of, it, it just, that's how it was nice. So, so you're not yeah. expecting this this gift, the, this present, the dog that that you trained and brought up. Walk me through your headspace. What was it like just being handed a, a puppy, a little bundle of fur like that? Uh, I was pretty overwhelmed. Uh, like I said, I had never had a gun dog. My first dog was a greyhound, so very very different. Uh, but I decided to jump in head first. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a puppy class. Uh, and from there is how I really got started into the field world and the hunting. Uh, the gal that I took the puppy class from, uh, she ran hunt tests. And I was interested about this. So I said, hey, how do I get involved in this? And she gave me her mentor's name. And we reached out to her. And she kind of gave us an evaluation and decided to take us on kind of as a student. So we started that and I was pretty overwhelmed because I got a late start. He was about 10 months old when he did his first marks. So kind of behind the game as far as a lot of dog people that have been doing this goes. But I, I was so excited. I love seeing him work and how much he loved it. So it just it just took off from there. I said, I have to do this. He loves this. This is way too much fun. So so he shows an interest, you get bit by the bug, and, and fast forward, here you are talking about it on a podcast. I, yeah, I, yeah. I love it. So it, 
did you have any interest in hunting prior to kind of going to that puppy class and getting introduced to the hunt test system? Or did you have an, like, one day did you think that maybe you'd get into it? Or did this dog really ultimately lead you into it? A little bit of everything. Uh, I didn't grow up hunting. I taught myself how to shoot a bow in college. So I'd really only done deer and turkey. And I liked that. I had, I've always loved the outdoors. But I really didn't have an interest in bird hunting. I mean, especially waterfowl. I like, why do you want to get up that early? It's so much work. <laughs> I, I still I say my, that. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd see my friends do it. And I'm like, I am not getting up at three o'clock in the morning for this. But after I got this dog started and seeing his potential and his drive, I thought, I have to do this for him. Uh, and then, it, you know, it turns out being so rewarding for me, having done the training and worked up to that moment and seeing your dog bring back a duck. And I'm just like this, it, it was the catalyst. So, nice. uh, yeah. So it, you, you talk about bird hunting and obviously you, you duck hunt as you're just talking about watching the dog bring back the ducks. Do you mess around with any of the upland side as well? Or is it just waterfowl for you? Uh, we do upland as well. So I would, be hard pressed to say Upland might be my favorite. He is a phenomenal Upland dog. And I love just going out for a walk with my shotgun and my dog, just him and I in the field and just watching him work in front of me, quarter nice and tight. And if there's a, if there's a pheasant out there, he's going to find it. Mm -hmm. So is it just pheasant or have you gotten to do some Bob White quail or anything like that in, in kind of the same area uh, I know in Iowa, you have a little bit of everything. You got pheasant, quail. You also have some huns in some areas. Is it primarily just pheasant you've gotten on so far? Yeah, we did some quail in Texas, uh, but haven't really gotten down into southern Iowa where some uh, of the cubbies are. Haven't really tried that. This is really only our second season upland hunting. Uh, and me, not being a wing shooter prior, had to build some confidence um, I took a shooting lesson, you know, just to be more proficient um, for him and myself. So uh, it took me a lot to get out there and go by myself. I was really apprehensive, really nervous. But the more I did it, the more comfortable I got with it, you know, the better he was getting. So the more confident I felt with that. But I haven't ran into any huns or quail, just doesn't here so far. Nice. And what what you just said is is really kind of important to note that, just going gets you more comfortable. You know, I know a lot yeah. of people are afraid to just start because they're uncomfortable doing it. But what you just said is that's how you get comfortable. You just go and, and you figure it out as you go along. Would you say that's ultimately how you kind of learn? You just kind of threw yourself in the fire and figured it out as you went? Yep. Uh, I did have people that were so kind to take me with them. So seeing how other people went, giving him the opportunity to work with other dogs, for the first season, I really just handled my dog. I didn't do a lot of shooting, uh, especially waterfowl, but upland as well. Uh, it's a little more laxed, I want to say, upland. Um, I can give my dog a little more free range and have more control. But the times I learned the most were going out just him and I. Um, learning to figure out which way I wanted to walk. Where's the wind coming from? Where's the habitat? Uh, just trying to figure out all those little nuances and things that help you be successful. Yeah. And so backtracking the hunt test, you, did you ever get involved in the hunt test or did you just use that as kind of the catalyst to figure out how to train and get your dog ready to go hunt? Uh, we are still doing hunt tests. We predominantly do NARA 
uh, North American Hunting Retriever Association. So I like that a lot more than AKC because it's more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? More likely hunting scenarios. AKC is a lot of obedience. And yes, that's important. Um, but And also the people in NARA are just incredible. It's like a training day when you go to a hunt test and you're hanging out with your friends all day. So that has helped. And then we have training groups. Uh, but I enjoy the hunt test side as well because it's like we're training. You know, our first test is in about a month. So we're already getting ready to go. And then we can just jump right into hunting season. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. What's uh, about retriever uh, hunt tests or trials or something like that with water work. Generally, you, you, you get to extend that hunting season yep. so much longer than what we typically can on the upland side of things. You know, upland, yeah. when it gets hot, it, it kind of gets shut down. Uh, but you guys have a little bit longer window to uh, to train and, and set up those hunting scenarios as you would in the waterfowl world. Did you real? did you see the overlap before you went hunting? I guess what I'm asking is, did, did you feel like the first time you went waterfowl hunting and, and put yourself in that situation, you were better prepared for it because you went and trained with NARA and, and those hunt test scenarios? A hundred percent. I felt like I could walk out into a hunting scenario and I was ready. Uh, especially <clears throat> this season, we got our intermediate pass, which is the equivalent of a AKC senior. And they really say, you know, that's a finished, that's a finished bird dog there. As far as what you're going to take waterfowl hunting, you can do blinds, you can do everything that you need to do. And I felt like I could put my dog up against anything. And we really put that to the test this hunting season, uh, interjecting ourselves into very new and challenging scenarios. Yeah. And that's always, that's part of the fun right there is, yep. is you conquer one scenario and then you figure out, all right, what's the next thing in line? And you start all over again and start building up to that whole new scenario. So that's what I tell everybody, like whether, whether you get into this just to hunt, just getting involved in an organization like this or a hunt test program such as that, uh, it allows you to kind of structure your training season and give you goals in the off season. Yep. So what speaking of that what's your what's your goal this season as you go into the training season because hunting season just finished up ultimately and so now yeah. we're we're all the all the dog people are kind of in that transition mode where we're leaving the hunting frame of mind and getting back in the training frame of mind So this season I would like to finish our senior upland uh through Nara uh I skipped the working retriever phase so ultimately I need five passes instead of four. So I want to get our senior title for that. And I just want to get some senior passes as far as uh, that goes on the regular hunt test side. Uh, that's the top level of NARA and it is the top level for a reason. It's very challenging. It's a, um, there's a lot of components. There's the land. So you've got a, a double or triple on land and a blind a triple on water, a water blind, and then the upland portion, which includes a steady to flush. And then you have the trail and you have to pass every component to get one pass. So I mean, in your dog, you know, you can't run with an e-collar like any, um, any other test. So your dog is higher than a kite and just maintaining a <laughs> level of any level of control is, uh, and um, yeah. So really those are, goals but I've learned with my dog you know he doesn't care about a ribbon uh, I want to get out what we can have fun enjoy time with friends 
Um, but yeah, really have fun and try to take away positive things because he can be, he, he not can be, he is a handful. He's, <laughs> he, he's a lot of dog, uh, especially for my first dog. It's, there's been tears shed along the way just because I was like, I don't know how I can do this with him. But um, we're learning and we're becoming a better team every day. Yeah. And it's a it's a balancing act. It sounds like you recognize it's, it's hard not to go to these events with the f- frame of mind of we're going to bring home that ribbon. But yep. sometimes we have to kind of distance ourselves from that goal and just remember what we're actually out there to do, which is the task yeah. in of itself. And no matter what, the dog's going to have fun whether they pass or fail. <laughs> no matter what, they're yeah. doing what they love to do. So really, it's just our mindset that can kind of get in the way and our expectations can kind of ruin or make the event all by yeah. themselves, ultimately. So you talk sure. about you, your learning curves. Give me an example of some of the learning curves. You know, you you just had this puppy dropping in, dropped in your lap randomly you you get bit by the bug and all of a sudden you're going down this this path that takes you into hunt tests and hunting and all that stuff. I know that there's an example of something that you screwed up and and maybe it's one of those instances that brought the tears, maybe not, but just tell me about a learning curve that you you went through on this journey so far. So, I got to thinking about that and okay. Uh I started him late and this is something, you know, I didn't know at the time, but just teaching the patients when they're a young dog, uh, it's not always your turn. Uh, not every bird is for you. And through maturity, he's picked up on that, but I rushed it. Um, I got thrown into it and, you know, I get there, get my dog out of the truck, throw his marks, put him back in. And I see now what that taught, like, oh, I show up, I get my marks and that's it. But seeing now the people that have their dogs out on a chain the whole time, that have their dogs on a place board, watching the whole time, learning that not everything is for them. And who knows if, you know, genetically, if I never would have been able to overcome that. But I think I would have liked to have tried to see if I could create a little more patience and not so much anxiety, uh, because he can be just... He's, he's a fire-breathing dragon. So anything, <laughs> anything to take that edge off would have been nice. But a lot of it's on me, too. Uh, me just being calm helps a little, or at least helps me because he feeds off of me. But that is probably the biggest thing I regret is, go, is going really fast. But you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, and honestly, if this is your first dog and your first journey through it, and that's that's the first thing that kind of comes to mind when I ask for a mistake, you, you're you're t- off to a hell of a start, honestly, because <laughs> something like that, I know I know a lot of people that are, you know, a handful of dogs in, and they still haven't recognized that the dog feeds off their energy or the the benefits to not having your dog working the entire time, but just involved in the whole the the experience the whole time, a training session, go on a, a stakeout or a chain gang, something yeah. like that. It teaches them impulse control. It's just, you know, they're out there, they're involved, they're watching it, they're with you by extension. But they're just not in the truck completely just shut off from the whole thing. So they're getting all that stimulus and they're mentally having to work through it. So that's that's a very good point and a lesson that we've talked about on a few episodes. But the fact that you picked up on that already on your first puppy, that's that's a good sign. I'd say you're well on your way here. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So. 
conversely, I want to hear a good story. Like you said, you, you, you've done a lot of hunting. You tagged me in a lot of stuff this off season or this hunting season. It sounds like, or it looks like you had a really enjoyable hunting season or at least a few good yes. hunts. Uh, tell me about one of the more memorable retrieves that you got to experience this season. Oh man, there was a lot. Uh, something that really sticks out is we went on a sandhill crane hunt. It was a very last minute thing. I had messaged the outfitter and said, Hey, you have any spots open over new year's weekend? Uh, the only thing is, is I want to bring my dog and I get why, um, you know, outfitters would be hesitant about that. I totally get it, but I feel competent in his abilities and my ability to control him. So we drove down to Texas and I was nervous because everyone told me, most dogs struggle with cranes because they're scary. They're big. They're foreign, you know, just very different. So I'm like, oh, seems about 50, 50. And I wanted to send him on a dead, dead one initially to not have anything bad happen. And this dog leaves the blind and picks up that bird. Like he's picked up a hundred of them. But what made it even better is the next day uh, we had nine people in the blind and another dog. So I knew that was motivating him, but we had a lot of cripples that day. And there was one standing up and I send him and he comes out of left field and takes this crane out standing up like a linebacker. And I, I was just like a mom in the, in the bleachers is static. Just, I, I just get giddy about that stuff. Watching him have the confidence to go out and do that when this is his first crane hunt ever and bring those birds back. Like he's brought them back hundred times I, I just couldn't get over it. I was riding that high for a while. So uh, we had a really great weekend. He brought back a lot of cranes. I mean, a lot of birds pecking him, doing a lot of stuff. And he, he was just a pro. So uh, that was that was really, really memorable for me. That's awesome. So your first crane hunt. And like you said, he's he's never seen a crane. And if for people yeah. that are listening to this that don't know what a sandhill crane looks like, go look it up. They're a freaking dinosaur. It, it's it's just a gray version of a flamingo is kind of how I put it in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so when... So you had a cripple and it was just standing there and you sent him and, and he just smoked it. He just went right through it pretty much and took yep. it out and brought it back to you. Yep. I wish I'd had it on video. And I was like, did anyone else see that? And luckily the the wife of the outfitter, she had seen it. So we got to share that moment. <laughs> and I was just, I was just tickled by it. And I don't think that'll ever get old. Those moments of, you know, anytime he brings back a duck or a bird or anything, I get excited. It's like, we work so hard on this. Like you're reaping those rewards and even more meaningful when you've done the training yourself. Yes. To me, to me it is. Yeah. I, I would agree with that clearly, obviously, with, with what I do. <laughs> but to your point, it's hard to convey the feeling to people that don't – that they've never witnessed it, right? It's, um, you know, you hear all the time people, uh, they'll kind of look down their nose at you almost as if like – you know, you care more about your dog than the actual hunting. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do personally myself because I can take an instance like that and be perfectly happy with not hunting the rest of the day because it's just like we worked, we worked hard, we invested all this time, money and energy into this one thing. When you actually get to see it happen in real time, it's kind of mm -hmm. like, all right, it doesn't get any better than this. Let's shut her down because what what else are yeah. we out here for uh, other than maybe filling a freezer. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, no, I totally agree. And this, our first, our, our real second true hunting season, we got to experience a lot of that. And uh, one of my friends said it best. He's like, you hunt for that dog. And I, I said, that's, that's 100% true. That's why I do it. Because I didn't wing shoot or waterfowl or really pheasant hunt before this dog. So <laughs> Right. Well, and to, to your previous point earlier in the podcast, you take the dog out of it. You're probably not waking up at 3 a.m. to go freeze in a duck blind. <laughs> I, you know. No, I just, I'm not that mad at him yet. <laughs> well, I'm right there with you. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're off to a great start. It sounds like, uh, you know, what they say is true. You know, freshman year, you're just kind of figuring it out, learning together how to work together, and ultimately just figuring out how to get comfortable hunting. And then the sophomore season is really when when hopefully that dog work and that training and preparation kind of shows itself. And it sounds like you had that experience. Yep, absolutely. So as as we kind of start wiping, winding this down, wrapping it up, uh, tell me, so are there any special episodes or guests or topics that we've covered on the podcast that kind of helped you on your journey or helped you get started in any way? The one that really stands out was episode 46. I think it was Experienced Beginner with Emily. Uh, And she has pointers. Yes. And I loved listening to her story because it just resonated with me. You know, having this really high drive dog that I thought I messed up. I didn't do the right things. Uh, Ultimately, this, you know, this dog is my pet and we have fun. And he does everything I ask him to do and more. And, you know, finding the right people to train with, finding what works for you, and and most of all, advocating for your dog. What is right for your dog? Because it's not cookie cutter. And I feel like a lot of people take labs, for instance, or, you know, other breeds. It's like, oh, these are really hard driving dogs. We can do whatever with them. But they're, they're all different. And just finding that groove. And I really loved her episode because she really hit hard on those points. Yeah. Now, she, that was that was a great one. And, and she she does have a really good story. And you'd be happy to know she she's a lab girl now. I mean, she still has she still nice. has her short hair and everything. And it's been a while since I spoke to her. But, yeah, she's she's a lab girl down in North Carolina now, from my understanding. I think it's Horizon Retrievers for people that want to uh, check okay. her out. But uh, but, yeah, so that that's that's kind of a cool connection. I'm glad that that episode resonated with you in su- such a way. Yeah. So. You already told us what your goals are in the off season and, and the hunt test and all that. Let's go ahead and wrap this up with you kind of telling us big picture. Do you have any dream hunts? You got to do the Sandhill Crane this year. What are you eyeing for next year? It's still early on, but this is kind of the fun of what we're what we work for in the off season. Is there some kind of hunt yeah. or bird or something in your head that that's screaming at you or nagging at you to go after? Mm. That's really hard because we did a lot of those last season. Uh, I want to repeat those, you know, back to Port Mansfield to Duck Hunt, hopefully back to Arkansas to Duck Hunt. We got to do flooded timber, uh, definitely doing a crane hunt again. I think I'd like to travel and do more upland. I'm, I'm pretty intimidated by going out west with a flusher because it feels like a pointers game. But um what is it? Sharptail in Montana. I think that's something I'd really like to try. I think that's something he'd be good at. Um, obviously, the landscape would be beautiful. Uh, and then maybe up north, some some grouse in the north woods. 
There you go. You're speaking my love language on both of those. So <laughs> uh, I, I can vouch for both of them. Have at it. And, and I, I would personally love stay in touch. Let me know how he transitions into that because sharp tail, depending on the time of year, numbers, conditions, they can be real flighty. Uh, so it can be difficult, especially for a flushing dog. You know, you crest the hill, uh, mm-hmm. but it can be done. And then same thing in the grouse woods. Uh, I have not gotten to witness uh, hunting with, with just a flushing dog in the grouse woods yet. I'm hoping that I can witness that this year myself because it's just, I think it's a, it's a different component or different element that, that I would like yeah. to be able to witness and kind of contrast to what it is that I do. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, Mara, is there anything else that in your story that we, we would just have to touch on or have we pretty much covered the basics so far? Uh, if I'm telling a new listener or someone new to the game, don't get discouraged, don't give up. And, and just have fun with your dog. Yeah, that's that's a message for everybody, not even new people. Just remember, yeah, they're, they're true, yeah, true. Just, <laughs> just remember why you got into it. Try not to take it too serious. It's it's something that I need to tell myself, but uh, that's a great reminder. And Mara, I appreciate you coming on and, and taking your time to share your story. I, I find it real interesting and I've, I've enjoyed kind of following along via uh, social media as you kind of tag me in these special moments and uh, hunts. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.